1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the focus area of our study. So our guest this morning, let me quickly just bring you up to speed on a couple of things, and uh, you'll be able to pick up right where we left oft, off and uh, um, have a seamless transition into what we're looking at this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 finds us on the topic of, of studying what Paul is focusing on concerning the diversity of spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts? What were the gifts in the church? And more importantly, there was a specific context that Paul is talking about this. It is the abuse of spiritual gifts by the church in Corinth, uh, by the Christians that are there. And so in his effort to seek to set them straight, we have much to glean and much to learn in the area of, um, or really in the broad evangelical landscape of, of Christians teaching and understanding we get a, uh, uh, an opportunity to get a correct view on spiritual gifts. Uh, so that's the title of the message this morning, Discerning Spiritual Gifts. And as I noted, Paul has been answering questions um, concerning the, the Corinthians, but now he seems to uh, be giving them extra instruction on these things. We looked at verses 1 through 7 in our last time together in studying. And, uh, and then we come to this somewhat of a list format, and there's a number of things we can do when we have an expository study in the scriptures and we come to lists. There's a, different, a couple of different ways we approach it and can approach it, and the way that I think would be helpful and that I have um, decided to do is to look at this in a list format, but to also include, in light of spiritual gifts, other passages. And so my purpose is to have somewhat of a um, a survey, if you will, this morning on the topic of a greater list of spiritual gifts that are listed throughout the New Testament, and then to work really hard as a pastor to try and keep comment on each and every one of them rather concise. So I've chosen and written out some specific definitions and answers and words this morning so I could keep myself concise as opposed to a message on each and every one of the gifts or a message on just a handful at a time. And there might be an appropriate time to come back and do that. There might be um, a certain number of spiritual gifts that are spoken of in the New Testament where it would be helpful to go back, and we might spend an entire message time specifically on some of those. But for now, this morning, we're going to look at discerning the spiritual gifts. And uh, in, in chapters 12, 13, and 14, Paul is dealing with this topic. So we'll be looking at it for some time anyway. Um, and, and apparently... There were some in the church, as we visited in the first seven verses of chapter 12, there were some in the church at that time that were abusing some gifts. They were misunderstanding them, they were elevating some above others, and they were scrambling and fighting and clamoring all over themselves and making a mess of the local congregation in this misunderstanding of spiritual gifts and their purpose and the point of them. So last week we looked at the scriptures to test the authenticity to test the source, and to test the unity of spiritual gifts in the context of the church, which is the context of spiritual gifts, by the way. And today I plan to include several other passages that list spiritual gifts, um, as, as some of them really kind of overlap each other. Uh, other theologians have described it other ways, but when you look at the grand scheme and landscape, just a cut and dry, you have A, B, C, D, you know, and, and on down, those are kind of the basic foundational um, gifts that are listed here, but a lot of times there's some overlap in them, where there's the presence of one gift in a believer's life, there often is another that will closely complement or accompany it. One gift will overlap the other, and so on and so forth. And so the deeper we get into the study, you see the more there's, they kind of blend together a little bit, some of them. And so with this, I think it's hard to just stay in 1 Corinthians 12, but to include some of these other list passages as we walk through this survey of um, and give comment to discerning spiritual gifts. Let me pause also as somewhat of a... a uh, preface to this a little bit and, and, and bring everybody up to speed. If you're visiting this morning, we spent some more time last week defining what spiritual gifts are. And so I'd like to walk you through a little bit of defining what we understand spiritual gifts are as they're referred to in Scripture. And that is a simply a manifestation of the Spirit of God. 
a manifestation of the Spirit. That's a, that's a making known or being seen. And so a gift, a spiritual gift, is a supernatural function which can be seen. That is given, provided, appointed, endowed, um, and uh, uh, guided, um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. A gift, the, a spiritual gift in the Greek, the, the charisma, uh, is, is a spiritual gift that is supernaturally bestowed, which functions beyond the limits of an individual's natural talent and ability and skill. It's something that goes beyond that, that is unique and spiritually special in that sense. I believe spiritual gifts are rightly described as supernaturally and graciously bestowed for the purpose of building up and edifying the church. The first seven verses of chapter 12 teach us that definition. They teach us that reality concerning spiritual, concerning spiritual gifts, and so do the um, uh, preceding or the, the proceeding verses, the verses to follow, as well as other passages that we'll look at in, in uh, um, momentarily this morning. Um, spiritual gifts are, are granted, we believe, to every believer by the Holy Spirit, who distributes willingly, diversely, um, to every Christian individual as he wills. And we see this endowment in, in the first century in, in 1 Corinthians, and we see the, 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 the existence of these things, and, and we, we do ourselves well to study God's Word and seek Paul's teaching on these matters so we might rightly understand them, the application for today and the use and the presence or the absence and so on and so forth. There are essentially two major positions when it comes to spiritual gifts. And you go, how in the world can you boil down, Pastor Dave, to all of the positions on spiritual gifts with the, from, from charismatic to a more conservative position or however it might be, and all in between, all the different positions, all the books written, all the theologians' comments and practices and denominations concerning spiritual gifts. How can you boil it down to only two categories? Well, I did. Okay, <laughs> And I, I did, with comment and with respect, very, very carefully and with love for our brothers and sisters in Christ in many different denominational settings as well, in love and patience and understanding that there are extremes to any position. There are modifi modifications, you know, there's a, a modified so-and-so, and there's a hyper so-and-so, and all these different positions. You, you can create your own position, call it what you want, and now you have a position, right? Ultimately, it's every Christian's individual responsibility for the Lord to develop a conviction based on the clear teaching of God's Word and our understanding of God's Word. And, and God has given each and every one of us as individuals the responsibility and the privilege to hold a position under conviction of God's Word. And so I encourage you to study these things, whether they be so. I encourage you to be good Bereans. And then also you can continue to pray for me. Maybe, maybe I'll ask boldly, show a little bit of grace to me, if you will, in the sense that I've done... <laughs> A lot of reading, and there's a lot more reading you can do. I've done a lot of studying, and there's a lot more studying you can do with the time that we have from week to week in these things. I pray that you'll see that it is my desire before God to present what God's Word, I believe, says on these matters. And it is also my understanding and my awareness that there are some even within our congregation that might have a little bit different understandings or, or maybe have not yet ready readily studied some things in, in depth that some others have or, or, or believe they have a conviction concerning what God teaches on spiritual gifts. And it is not my intention to use the pulpit and the platform and the office of pastor to say, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm wrong, you're right, and so on and so forth. But let's see what I believe God's word is saying concerning spiritual gifts. And you work on developing how God would have you concerning these things. Two positions. We mention these things, and we'll go to go to the Lord in prayer before we get any further. Two positions. One is a, continu a continuationism. So some younger folks are writing things down. Continuation. What does it mean to continue? To continue on in something. Continuationism is a position. Here's one. Okay. I would define it this way: a continuist, one who holds to a position of continuationism concerning spiritual gifts. 
would be that all gifts are still in operation today, just as they were in first century Christianity. And so advocates for the position of continuationism, for this position, claim that there is no clear scriptural evidence that any of the gifts are no longer in operation today. As a super summarized definition of the position of a continuationist. And there are modified and there's qualifiers I understand still these things. But this morning, the time we have, I seek to be concise in that. Comparatively, a second position of the two that I present this morning is of a cessationist. When something has ceased, it has stopped. And so the position of a sensationist would be teaching cessationism. And it might be defined, rightly I believe, this way. Some of the gifts, the spiritual gifts, have ceased and are no longer in operation today. And advocates, which is a in general the position here at Calvary, advocates for this position would point to passages like 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 10. Passages like 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 12, and we'll note that in detail in weeks to come. Of course, as I remind you, um, as you surely are fully, aware, fully aware, uh, aware of, <laughs> fully well aware, say that three times fast, there are modifications to all positions. There's, there's different, um, uh, different little things here and there that might be changed to modify a position one way or another. And I believe that there are good, loving, godly people and individuals in various camps concerning the teaching of spiritual gifts in the existence of the church today or in the lacking. And so it's with respect and with love for brothers and sisters, but with the boldness of preaching what I believe that God's word teaches on these things, that I remember some of these things as we go through this, understand these. If you were to look over to 1 Peter for a minute, we'll come back to 1 Corinthians, but if you will go to 1 Peter this morning, and as you're turning there, you're looking for 1 Peter chapter 4. As you're turning there, I also might mention as a preface a little bit this morning that unlike normal um, teaching or, or more the norm that's more expositing, exegeting the God's word verse by verse, word for word, which is our, our love, it's our passion, it's my intention, it's my normal teaching style as your lead preacher and teacher here, this morning will be a little bit different. And you find that in the, in the title, the discerning the spiritual gifts. And as I had mentioned, this is somewhat of a survey. And so we'll be bouncing back and forth between two, sometimes three, major passages. And so I'm going to note those references, but it's not going to be a reading of word for word of all these passages this morning. This is somewhat of a survey to set us up for further study coming this morning as well. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, with that being said with me, and look at chapter 10 and 11. For, uh, Peter makes it really easy how to divide the study a little bit this morning because it was rather daunting to approach this subject, and it still remains so a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 says, As every man hath received the gift, so even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Then look at verse 11, please. It says, If any man speak, let him speak of the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as ability which God giveth. There's two categories there. I'm going to note those in a moment. That God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised, to be or to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's two divisions there: spoken and serving. Verbal and 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 um, uh, non-verbal outworkings of gifts. Then you also see a, final, a reminder of how the purpose is to exalt Christ, to give glory to God through these things. And so, as it is illustrated in this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, there appears to be two general categories, the, the gifts of speaking, the gifts of serving, and these along with a third category as well, in part and briefly this morning, that's Ephesians chapter 4, 
um, there, so there's these two categories with a third part, that's temporary gifts, can all be found in several passages. Those passages are, are uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 6 through 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11, then also in verse 28. And then also in Ephesians chapter 4, and that's a little bit of a uh, verse 11, that speaks more specifically of an office rather than a gift like the others. But those are the three major passages you find in Scripture describing these gifts. All right? So what of a complicated introduction this morning. I don't intend to come across entirely un- only academic, but it's a difficult topic to address. And it is one that we need to seek the Lord's guidance for, and we're going to do that right now before we get any further. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word this morning and we look at a number of passages, I pray that uh, your will would be made clear, that we would seek to want to understand what you have for us, what the scriptures say, that we'd be very careful with the presuppositions that we have approaching the scriptures, that we seek to draw out from the text our convictions, that we would be loving and patient with, with backgrounds of different teaching and different settings and convictions on these matters, that we would seek to, above all things, bring you glory through these things. Lord, thank you for Scripture that speaks of these matters, and pray that you would just, through the Spirit working in the believers' lives, that you would grant us understanding. I pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you're an outline sort of a person and you want to take notes this morning, we do offer those for the children that, that are remaining in the service. Every one of the families invited to stay in the service, and we love that. From crying baby on up, bring everybody. That's all right. Uh, you know, nursery's available. We do have children's church for those that would like to utilize that as well in their circumstances. But if you're writing things down this morning and write down some things, number one, we're going to look at the speaking gifts. That's category number one just a survey this morning. We're going to kind of rocket fire through these things, and you might even sense that I'm trying to hold myself back a little bit from giving extra comment. Speaking gifts will be number one. Then serving gifts will be number two. And then lastly, if there's time, we'll end with temporary gifts. Temporary gifts. So three areas of gifts I would like to walk us through this morning, get our appetites wet a little bit, and maybe even give you something to notate. And you go, oh, that's what that gift is talking about. That's what Paul is speaking of here. I've always thought it was this, and so on and so forth. All right, so speaking gifts. And as we turn our attention to that, this is not in a specific order as you see it in Scripture either. We're going to kind of bounce back and forth a little bit. And uh, might be able to explain a little bit why we do that maybe later on. Speaking gifts. There were five speaking gifts listed here in the New Testament. And we're going to look at those five this morning. The first is found in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, and then also really in Romans 12 and verse 6. And that is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. The word prophecy, or the word prophet, is not something that's unusually unheard of in the Word of God. Especially in the Old Testament, right? When we consider the office of a prophet, one who was a prophet. And we need to understand what a prophet does, what prophecy is, so we can understand the outworking of the spiritual gift. The Greek word for prophecy in, in both passages that I noted, Romans 12, 6, and as well as 1 Corinthians 12, 10, means a speaking forth. Speaking forth. As we were studying in the first part of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we were reminded in, when concerning the head coverings, we were speaking of, of, of women that would speak, that would prophesy and that would pray. Prophesy being speaking to man about God, praying, be, speaking to God about man. And it's with that simple understanding, we can also look at this here in the very same context that Paul is speaking of here in prophesying. So to prophesy is to declare the divine will of God to interpret the purposes of God, or to make known in any way the truth of God that is designed to influence and impact people. So prophecy proclaims the truth of God. The Old Testament prophets, in which do not exist today, have ceased to exist because of the, the revelation of God's, special revelation, the Word of God that we have before us. That's God's 
um, revealing his will, his intentions, and for us to obey the things we must know and need to know for this age and this time. Different than Old Testament prophets where if they declared themselves to be a prophet of God and they spoke, you listened. And, and by the way, any time any Old Testament prophet spoke and claimed it was the word of God, it came to be. There was without any error to it at all. And so there was a way to test if somebody was really a prophet, if this really came to be and so on and so forth. That would be in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, in the context here, what Paul is speaking of is a gift of prophecy. And that is a gift of, of one a believer to be able to declare the will of God that was otherwise already written. In some cases, the apostles in the apostolic power they were given would give the declaration, they would prophesy the word of God that was unwritten, the will of God for the church to know in the absence of not having the completed New Testament like we have today, the gift of of prophecy. And so I would believe, and I, through studying this, I, I come to the conclusion that the emphasis is not on foretelling the truth, but telling the already revealed word of God. The gift of speaking the will of God as it has been revealed in his word to others. The gift of prophecy. We find another gift here, and that is knowledge. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, it says, For one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. You see this definition um, by the Spirit, by the same Spirit, over and over again, reminding us that it comes from God and that there is a unity in the diversity of the giving of these spirits. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you see this gift here in verse 8. This is the gift, this is the ability to deal with the, uh, the, the theoretical, the philosophical things of Scripture, spiritual things, the, the aspects of God's Word. And this person would have the extraordinary ability, the extraordinary ability to, to uh, have keen insight into, to perceive the systematic teaching uh, of the great truths of the Word of God and be able to articulate that and explain that and see that. God bless people like this. People that can take the Word of God and they can go through the truth and they can say, see, this is what God's saying in the Old Testament. This is what's seen in the New Testament. And see, and, and they have this ability where we're going, man, alive, I just see a bunch of chapters here. I need your lesson outline. You're like, oh, here, here's the lesson outline I've created because this is what God's doing. See, this way, this way, this way. And they put it together and they have this ability to be able to understand and to grasp and, and to conceive these things in Scripture. Not hidden things, things that are not hidden from us, but they have this ability to be able to understand and to know these things in a way that provides clarity. So the gift of knowledge. Knowledge clarifies the truth, the truth of the Word of God. So we have prophecy, we have knowledge, and then we come to wisdom. In verse 8, we were just reading, For to one is given the Spirit, the Word of wisdom. Oh, to have wisdom, right? What kind of wisdom is being spoken of here of this is the gift or the ability to bring practical insight in a, in a timely way to a specific matter, problem, or, or scenario. To be able to, to apply God's word or God's teaching. It's ability to, to apply God's word to, to situations that arise when they do in a timely way. You've met people like this before, I'm sure. Other believers that have the, the, the seeming, just the ability to, no matter what's going on through their understanding of God's word or God's gifted and ability for them to have a certain wisdom, a godly wisdom, to take God's word and say, see, this is what's going on in life. This is what God's word says about this matter, and this is how it needs to be carried out. These are those who make exceptionally um, diligent applications to God's Word for us to understand and to see. This wisdom, applying God's Word in a situation, gaining knowledge may not be this person's forte, 
like the knowledge of understanding the systematic teaching and the, and the details of God's word, that may not be their forte, but instead maybe the wisdom in applying what they learn and gain from God's word. Living it out in a strong, faithful, practical way. Living out the application of God's word. Wisdom applies God's truth. So wisdom does. It listens and applies God's word. Prophecy, knowledge, wisdom. Then we come to teaching. If you'll skip ahead, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, and you find teaching listed there among the other gifts. Teachers. This is the gift and the ability to explain and to apply the truth of the word of God. Oh, I'm indebtedly thankful to people like this. As a pastor and a preacher, I don't sit in a, dark, in, in a dark room or lit room, whichever one, and just wait for God to reveal something to me for me to, for him to say. If you go visit, I should listen, I do listen to God, and I do pray, I understand that. If you were to go visit my study, you would see a myriad of books on my, on my bookcases. I know that's kind of old school, I love books, I love paper, I love books. If you were to open up my laptop and you were to look in my Bible software programs and you look at the hundreds into the thousands of books that I have access to, to study and to read and compare with Scripture and see what other theologians and commentators have said and to consider the treatment of the texts of other preachers with greater experience have done and then the responsibility before God and prayer and study to compile the things I've learned from God's Word and present them in a systematic fashion to you, I am indebtedly thankful to those that have a way to make those things available to learn about God's word. It's to be able to put those things together, those with the gift of teaching. And this is the, the gift of not only applying the truth of the word of God, but also communicating God's word in a way that hearers can understand what God's intention and teachings are. We need people like this in the church. We need people like this in the body of Christ. Those who can exposit the word of God in a way that the hearers can understand and go, oh, great, that's not just a bunch of interesting factoids about God's word. They didn't sit there and just pontificate about all they know about God's word and the wisdom, but taught it in a way that I walk away going, this is what I need to do with what I've learned from God's word. The gift of teaching. Teaching imparts the truth to someone else. Then we come to the, 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 the fifth gift here under speaking gifts, and that's Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, and that's the gift of exhortation. To exhort, to encourage. This is the ability to encourage. It's the ability to comfort others, to move the will to action of someone else in a loving way, a compassionate, understanding way to move someone's will into the direction it, not, it, it ought to be. And this may involve loving correction of an erring brother or sister. It may involve um, a, 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 an arm over the shoulder saying something like, I think I'm seeing this. Can you help me understand where maybe I might be wrong? And let me encourage you that God's word says this, and this is best. Something like this. And, and exhortation, those with the gift of exhortation, those who can compassionately and lovingly come alongside and comfort other people. There are some that, that seem to be so excellent at this when someone is weeping in tears, maybe in the loss of a family member, somebody near Many of us go, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to speak to them. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to comfort. And others come back after comforting me. What did you do? I just sat with them and I cried with them too. That compassionate, comforting exhortation of others. The gift of exhortation. Exhortation demands that the truth be obeyed. Exhortation draws one's attention to not simply a pat on the back, but you can be encouraged because this is what God's word says. All right? Exhortation. Now listen, all of these, these five so far, are related to speaking the word of God. 
And so in summary, thus far, let me say it this way. Prophecy proclaims God's word. Knowledge clarifies God's word. Wisdom applies God's word. And teaching imparts God's word. Finally, exhortation demands God's word is obeyed. You see the the breakdown here and the understanding briefly in this little survey of discerning, seeking to understand what the spiritual gifts are. All five of them have to do with speaking in relation to God's revelation, uh, uh, God's um, uh, verbal gifts, the manifestation, the revelation of God's verbal gifts, the speaking gifts. Let's quickly go on to serving gifts and see how far we get this morning. We might spend more time on gifts that have ceased next time, as I notice the time on the clock. Serving gifts, very quickly here. Serving gifts. There are six serving gifts, and they're so good to talk about, so good to discuss because of the need, the necessity, and the blessing to the body of Christ in the serving gifts. There are six. Rather than five, there are six here that we'll note. The first is found in Romans chapter 12. Again, in verse 8, looking at these list passages this morning. Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, you find the gift of leadership. The gift of ruling, you'll see here. The gift of ruling literally means one who stands in front. Isn't it a wonderful thing for for us in a a body of people to have at least one that would stand in front and provide some instruction, some vision, some some direction to things? Instead of just a a mob of people going a hundred different directions at once, but the gift of leadership, rather. And the outworking of this gift is guiding. It's a guiding um, uh, work in ministry. As in the one who, if you were to do a word study with me on this, and I won't dove into that much deeper now, but it carries with it the idea of one, literally, who steers a ship. One who is at the helm with the wheel. Steering the ship. They navigate the course. They check the compass. They know which way they're going. And then they steer the ship, and they keep it going in the right direction while all the other people are working on the ship, doing all the different things to keep the ship going and afloat. It's one who literally steers a ship. And so in leadership and governing, this person is somebody that would practically work out as somebody who might chair committees, one who leads and organizes people and rules with wisdom and grace, one with the gift of leadership, as Paul notes both in Romans and and in some ways in 1 Corinthians as well as there's some overlap there speaks of the gift of leadership as one who supervises the saints. One who provides a supervision and the oversight and the direction. Then there's a serving. This is found in verse 7, Romans chapter 12 and verse 7. If you flip back over to that passage for a moment. Or, or ministry, let us wait on the minister, or he that teacheth or teaching. Ministering. The ministry. This is the idea of serving. It's also referred to as ministering, back and forth. The Greek word for which we get the English word deacon is carrying the understanding of <clears throat> excuse me, ministering, serving others. A serving in contrast to a leadership, management, ruling. All of those are separate than serving the office of a deacon. This is the English word that we get from this Greek word to minister. It means service of any kind. And so the broad application is to serve any in need. Whomever is found to be in need. Whoever is, needs help. And so it's one with eyes on and intention ready to look for those who are in need. Look, look for those who need to be served. And, and you know it's that person that jumps to when there's a need. Is ready to serve in the littlest ways. One with the gift of serving is not one that sees someone come to the door and say, oh, they can get it themselves. The one with the gift of serving is the one that runs to open the door, you see. 
It's looking for serving. And I also might note the detail of the one with the gift of serving. The gift of serving, it, is, it works itself out in a way that one serves with absolutely zero intention of being observed, noticed, congratulated, or glory brought to them. One who is contented to say, I love Jesus, I love his people, and I'm going to serve in a way that does not demand, it does not require that I be singled out as look what so-and-so did. Gift of serving. This person would display a willingness to do the menial tasks, the most mundane of tasks, without receiving praise from man. The gift of serving. And the giver seeks opportunities to share with others, to supply the need. That's giving. A little bit different than serving. Serving is a person who would support the leaders. So let's talk about giving here for a moment. Let's jump to giving. Verse 8, Romans chapter 12, and verse 8, we see um, giving. Those are gifted givers. Those are those who joyfully share what they have with others. That are willing to give. Sometimes it's monetary. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's, it's uh, uh, whatever it may be. Time to listen. Time to serve. Time to uh, giving financially. Giving of what is owed and, or, or owned in a way that's not, all right, Ethel, how much money do we have? We can give this much because we'll have this much left over. No, it's a type of giving that we see in the, in, the, in the widows in the church of Philippi. It's a type of giving that we see that Paul talks about in Corinthians, of those who gave beyond what they even had. The gift of giving. Financial, material, or even personal time. And this giver seeks opportunities to share with others and to supply those who are in need. To see a need, to meet it, to meet it generously without being noticed and in many cases, anonymously. If we had more time, I'd share with you about the great giving and the, 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 the giving example of a man by the name of C.T. Studd and all that he gave away to the Lord. His wife followed suit and did, had a great impact in Christianity throughout the ages. Giving. So leadership, serving, giving. Then we come to mercy. So we're still in Romans chapter 12, and if you look at verse 8, you see the gift of mercy. There near the, the end, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy. This is the gift of showing mercy. It's a special ability to deal with those who are ill those who are physically sick, those who are afflicted, those who are experiencing affliction and trial and difficulty, specifically physically. And this person is able to joyfully comfort those in distress. Those who come alongside those who are in distress, as human beings, our nature is to, to flee from distress, right? Oh, that's a stressful situation. That's too much. My life is complicated enough. I dare not enter into that. My life will become more complicated. You probably don't have the gift of mercy. doesn't mean that you don't need to be merciful. Every one of these things we're called to live out and do, to work towards, as they blend also with the fruits of the Spirit. But the one with the gift of mercy, as Paul notes in Romans chapter 12 and 8, was one who would comfort those in distress, to sympathize with the sick and the poor and the distressed. The gift of mercy. What a joy it is to, to, to see people care for one another, to show mercy and compassion to others who are in more difficult straits than they are, who are less fortunate than maybe they are. We need to come to the gift of faith. We're going to end with just the serving gifts this morning, so only several more. Look at the gift of faith. That's back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The gift of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 says, To another faith by the same Spirit, Scriptures say. You say, we're all Christians. We're all supposed to have it. Faith. And I say, you're right. Amen. Well done. 
But there's more to the gift here that we understand. This is the, the gift, the, the supernaturally, above and beyond, extraordinary gift and ability to believe God's power to supply and to provide. You're like, I'm a Christian. I believe that God's power is enough. I believe that God is able to do all things. That's fine. But there are some super giants among us. There are some giants throughout Christianity in your life. You look to and you say, man, I wish I could just have the faith like they have. I tend to be so weak in my faith sometimes. But these are the type of people that I love to let know about my problems. Because they're powerful prayers. There are people that have faith that come alongside. Hey, pastor, I know you're a pastor, but you just need to trust God. Like, I know. Why didn't I say that first? The gift of faith. The belief in the power of God, and it is, I believe through some individuals like this, even Paul, as he shared the needs and the concerns in his ministry too, I believe he did in the understanding that, hey, these people have the gift of faith, and they are a great help, and when they pray, it unleashes the power of God in a way that's significant. As God moves in response many times to faithful, obedient prayer, This ability to see something that needs to be done and to believe that God will do it even when it looks impossible. These are great individuals to have on on, uh, planning and and, uh, committees and and groups and meetings involved. They're valuable in every congregation to have those that believe in the power of God to accomplish what we understand God's will is to be. And that encouragement is contagious, isn't it? It, it teaches others, it shames some, the gift of faith. This person exhibits a strong, unshakable faith in God. The gift of faith secures the power of God. We praise God for individuals throughout church history that has demonstrated this faith Three more. Look at the gift of discernment this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10 says, To another working of miracles, another prophecy, to another discerning spirits. We're going to skip over the, some of those and we'll come back to them later. But right now, focus in, zoom in on the discerning of spirits. The gift of discerning of spirits is the ability to spot a phony. The ability to detect false doctrine and to spot counterfeits that seek to teach false doctrine or to lead the sheep astray, to confuse the saints. There might be some good words and there might be even Christ's name claimed in the message, but one that is able to understand and, 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 and you're not all far, we are not all far and distant from being able to do that when comparing God's word. Anytime somebody speaks and declares what is to be said is God's word. We ought to compare it to Scripture. That's the individual responsibility of every one of us as believers. The gift of discernment. I think all, though this gift enables one to uniquely have the ability to determine the true message of God from that of the deceiver. See examples of this uh, in the Old Testament, by the way. I want to rise up and claim to be a prophet. Like, okay, that, that's great. We'll see if this really comes to be. And we want to see some sort of uh, uh, um, authenticating the existence of prophet. We look at the New Testament period, and uh, uh, with a dispensational approach to the scriptures, we understand discernment would be the gift of saying, hey, <laughs> this individual is kind of pulling the wool over your eye. This doesn't line up with scripture. There's just something not right about their life. It's those that in love and in and, and, and appropriate confidentially might approach leaders and say, I'm just really concerned about this individual. Something's not right. They're teaching some right things, but there's something not right here. Their heart seems to be off. This does not seem to be a a, a spirit-empowered thing. This is somebody that's relying on their own abilities. does not seem to be something that's guided of God. The gift of discernment is important. And so here's the caution with that. Here's something to be mindful. For those that, that had the gift of discernment, it is mindful And it is wise to be careful of the potential of developing a negative spirit. Developing a negative attitude, becoming judgmental, jumping to conclusions, or cutting off those who have fallen away or erred in sin forever and finally. Here's the negative that comes with that. You know, the the Corinthians had a unique way to turn everything that was somewhat good in the church into a mess, right? 
And if they're regular Christians like we were, we have that potential. And those that might identify the ability and the giftedness to be discerning, we have to be careful. Be careful to not jump to conclusions or to hold those, those opinions too tightly. Then we come to the gift of helps, and that's in chapter 12, verse 28. So we skip ahead some verses, go over to 28. That's another subset list here. And we look in verse 28, and we find the gift of helps. Oh, this is a wonderful gift. Oh, this is amazing. This is the great works that are recorded in the New Testament for all of the ages that we read about of those that had the gift of helps. It's rather interesting. Another theologian pointed this out as I was reading, and it, and it hit me right between the eyes and all this. Look at verse 28. Let me just read it as it flows. And watch and pay attention to where the gift of, 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 of helps pops out. Look at verse 28. And God hath sent, set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, the gift of healings. Oh, look at these big, amazing, flashy gifts. Helps. Governments, diversity of tongues, and so on and so forth. It's almost interesting how this big, flashy list, and in the middle of it, helps. The gift of helps. Oh, but I want to speak in tongues. Oh, I want to get, I want to heal. I want to, oh, helps. What? Maybe it was in the wrong place. No, it's the inerrant word of God. We look at the gift of helps. Here's the way it makes me think. How just as important each and every one of the gifts were to the body of Christ as God has endowed them is any other. The gift of helps. This is the gift and the ability to help others whenever a need appears. And you see, and you've already picked up on some of the overlap of some of the other gifts here. And to do it in a way that encourages and strengthens others. This gift often appears in those who work behind the scenes in less obvious and flashy ways. I was driving back from camp. Had to run up there and take care of some business. So I ran up there for a short trip. Friday night, came back Saturday. Eight hours of driving in total. So I'm coming back. I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, this is one of the first work days I've been here, not been here. I wonder what happened. How would it went? What, what's going on? And so I called my wife. How are things going? Oh, we're getting ready to leave. And so she tells me what our family's been doing. I, the boys working with her being helpful. Oh, they were being very helpful. They sent me a picture. They were doing this and that. They were washing windows, doing this. They went around, and, and you might turn your attention to the pencils and the pews. And maybe some others were helping. It wasn't just my family and my kids. There were many here doing great help and great work. But the gift of helps you might consider might find its outworking in things like this. So oh, they took all the little blue pencils that were dull, and they were sharpening them. I think Eric and Leanne asked them to do that, or whoever was leading at the time. They're sharpening the pencils and putting them in. Things we don't see on Sunday. Now I need to write something down. You pull the pencil out, and you write on it. Oh, oh nice sharp pencil. Put it back. Somebody sharpened that pencil. Somebody else is using a lint roller and pulling all your hair off the pews. <laughs> Thanks for leaving that, right? Somebody else going around and, and, and was wiping down all the wood on, on the pews and, and washing the windows and cleaning the door handles so we don't share each other's disgusting germs. Right? All these things, these, these helps, all these behind-the-scene behind things. And listen, here's the beauty in all this. There's lots of beauty in it, but here's a big beauty in it. Those that help in all those little menial ways are doing such a great thing in the body of Christ in enabling those with maybe some other areas they need to serve in to better serve in those areas. The lasting, rippling, positive impacts of those seeing how God would lead them to serve and doing it and getting busy about it. These folks make it possible for others with sometimes those more upfront and seemingly showy gifts to function more effectively when there are many who exercise the gift of helps. Helps. Lastly, we come to administration, and we'll end with this this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 28, same verse we just read. Administrations. You go, I don't see the word administration there. You see the word governments. This gift of administration or governments is the special ability to lead or administrate in the church. Leadership. Administration within the church. They can see the long-term goal 
and then in turn can delegate or coordinate and uh, the responsibilities as well. And this alone is, is not just with pastors, although I believe if we look at the responsibilities and the qualifications of pastors, administration is there, and so you ought to see that in every pastor. But there are others who I believe have the ability to administrate, to coordinate, to chart a course and, and, and help people through um, example follow that course to that end, to administrate, to organize, to see the long term, and then construct all the little activities between now and then so that we might meet the end goal as is desired and charted out to coordinate responsibilities. I'm so thankful for those in our administration here at Calvary. I think of our um, financial secretary, church secretary, and her upcoming retirement at the end of January, and I have sheer panic and nightmares about what we're going to do next. So for those of you that have that strong faith, I'm telling you right now, pray hard. We don't know what we're going to do, but we trust the Lord. I'm thankful for those like her, like Nancy, that administrate and organize and help do all those other little things with the copier and the emails and the phone calls to all of you. And you go, oh, that was so nice that Nancy spoke to us. It came from the pastor, but she worked it out so that I might continue to do the other work. We need people like this, the gift of administration. Let me end by saying this. Instead of, like the Corinthians, scrambling over ways in which you can identify our areas of specific giftedness. And there's all sorts of trouble when we try and go down that avenue. Well, this is my gift, blah, 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 all the way down. I don't even know if I can identify all the different ways that the Lord has either gifted me or not given me. I can identify a lot of ways that I am coming short and thankful for you folks. But instead of scrambling all over ourselves like the Corinthians did, in so much so that they had somebody rising up claiming to speak in tongues and was blaspheming the very name of our Lord. Instead of ever coming to that point and looking around and coveting others' abilities, focus on getting busy now in the ways that you know, the ways that you've been presented with, and the areas of need. I think one of the best ways to identify the area in which the Lord would have you serve is when you just get busy and you start serving what comes to what, what, what is in front of you and the ways you can serve, and then you look back over time and you go, oh, that's what I was able to do. You see? Instead of trying to fit a bunch of round pegs in a square hole and vice versa. Consider your, your pastor, church leadership, as a great source in helping you get plugged into ministry and identifying ways in which, maybe asking, in ways in which you did not realize there are great needs. Because maybe some were looking so diligently around at everyone else and what everybody else can do and what they want to do and how I want to do it instead of getting busy now in the way that the Lord has equipped you to serve. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time this morning. We've cut things short. There's much more to talk about from now until your Lord's return, but, uh, but also just in the area of gifts. And so we have, a, uh, we have a lot to look at next time. We've looked at a lot this morning. Even just in a sort of a survey fashion, Lord, I pray that you would work um, in our hearts that we would be obediently, humbly responsible to discern gifts, to discern the scriptures, to look at the relevance, the position, the time, the place. But overall, Lord, help us remember that the purpose of your gifting the church in any which time and place is for the purpose of glorifying you first and foremost, but edifying one another and building up the church. Help us to keep that in focus this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.